0: Hi, I'm Monse, and this is Musings of the Artist, a podcast where I have meaningful conversations with all kinds of artists. Musicians, writers, painters, photographers, and other creatives share their honest stories, touching on the duality of being creative, the pure joy of making art, but also the particular struggles that come with it.
1: What's come clear to me through all these different conversations is thinking that beauty is, you know, beauty is not optional. Um, it's, not, uh, it's, not, it's not soft. That it's really something that in leading a good life, a worthy life, a wise life, even a moral life, that, that it is something to insist on, to seek out, to weave in, you know, to tend to.
0: Krista Tippett is the creator and host of On Being and a New York Times bestselling author. She radiates wisdom and generosity and is one of the wisest voices of our time. In this conversation, we dive into the deeper meaning of the words beauty and love. We discuss cultivating qualities of character, going from, as Krista says, wound to gift, illuminating the quiet voices, and much more. It's hard for me to put into words how special this episode is to me. It's one I will always cherish. I'd like to extend my deepest gratitude to Krista and the entire team at On Being for welcoming me to their beautiful studio, and my thanks to Chris Hegel for recording this episode. Here is my conversation with the wonderful Krista Tippett. So um, this is so special to be here in your studio in this beautiful office. I want to move in. <laughs> it's so gorgeous, yeah. and everyone here is so nice. Mm. So thank you again for having me. Oh, well, hospitality is one of our core values. Yeah, and you really are uh, living that mm-hmm. <laughs> here. Um, so you know, I actually, I've it's funny because I interview people. I've been interviewing people for years, but this is. I'm actually a little bit nervous to interview you just because I'm so excited, and. I'm curious about the last time you felt nervous, if you can remember interviewing someone when you felt nervous. Um, You know,
1: I don't think that I, I I certainly for a long, long time would say that I, I I got nervous for a long time, right? Um, I don't think what I feel anymore, I don't get nervous. I just notice that I relax after the interview is done. Yes. Yeah. So I think I, I I think I am. There's still a certain amount of anxiety, and um, but I kind of have it more under control.
0: Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so where I normally like to start the conversation is, you know, we could list so many of your credentials and accomplishments, but I prefer to start in a different place and asking you if you could describe kind of who you are beyond what you do mm. and how you move through the world. Mm.
1: Well, that's the hardest question of all. <laughs> yeah, I
0: know. Uh, <laughs>
1: Uh, I get, you know, I always think I would start with, I was, I grew up in a small town in Oklahoma. I think that there's always some part of me that is a little girl from Oklahoma who ended up, um, in the big world out there. Um, but there's a part of me that's always discovering things and, um, always surprised that I'm here, um, I'm a mother. My children are grown. I've just spent a couple weeks with them, but I don't, you know, I don't live with them anymore. So I'm entering this very different stage of parenting, which is, um, which has a lot to do with, uh, well, it's it's kind of like, it's it's kind of like you revisit a a place that you were at with them. Intensely when they're very young, which is that you start to get to know this person, and so now as they're adults, I feel like I have to—I keep having to get to know them all over again. And then I would say that that kind of coincides with um, the stage I'm at in life, where I feel like, um yeah you know, I'm fifty-nine, and I feel like there's this there's this whole new metamorphosis that also starts to happen at this time of life. And um, so, yeah, I think that that's—I'm a person in evolution.
0: Mm, love that. So <clears throat> when I met you, I guess it was a year ago now, um, I was telling the story to your staff that it all, it's worth visiting here. Um, I recall asking you about your time in Spain because I had read in your bio that you lived in Spain for a time. And you, and I said, you know, where in Spain did you live? And you you told me, you said, have you heard of this little village called <laughs> <Bayas?"> <laughs> And what's crazy about that is it's my family's village mm. and um, it's really where my heart lives you know it's my home um so many ways and um we were just we were just discussing how we were actually there at the same time when I was a little girl and you were there which is so hard to believe
1: and I was very young I was in my early (laughs) 20s yeah
0: (laughs) worth noting that Uh um so yes very full circle um but you know when I think about about Deya and in Mallorca and I think about Sort of this feeling that I have when I'm there, and it's like unlike any like anywhere else I, I go and I I am, and I think a lot about the soul of a place, the mm-hmm. energy of a place, and you know like Pico Ayer, our friend, our mutual mm-hmm. friend, um, has spoken about uh, secret homes, and I just would love to hear a little bit about what you think about this, and if you could share maybe some of your secret homes. Mm, my secret homes, well. I've always felt like I'm a person—I've always
1: had a really complicated relationship to the place I came from. Um, I, you know, and I think it had to do—I I think that for many years I believed that it was about the place I came from. And as I've gotten older, I realized that it had so much to do with my family, you know, that because I've kind of rediscovered Oklahoma mm-hmm. um, and discovered that there was a whole world there that I didn't— um, that I didn't know or appreciate, but I, you know, I was somebody who kind of like, you know, got out and, um, felt like I had this narrow escape and of the place I came from. And so I very intentionally was out there finding new homes, you know, finding places where I could, um, be myself and be at ease, um, And so I think, you know, I spent most of my 20s in Divided Berlin before I went to Dea. And I, you know, so I think I have multiple homes. Mm -hmm. Um, And I also think that when you live in many places, I mean, I haven't lived in many, many places, but I lived in a number of places at a young age and— and I, I feel like they're all part of me. So Berlin is part of me, and Dea, I was not in Dea that long, but it was such a turning point for me. So Dea does is is like somehow in my home, mm-hmm. and um, I've now lived in Minnesota for. I've lived here longer than I've lived anyplace else. Twenty five years, and raised my children here. And I don't know if I'll be here forever, but but there's certainly. An aspect of that. And then I, I think there are um, I don't know. I think books are secret homes for me. Yeah, yes, for me, yes. it's not all about place. Yeah. But I don't have one anchor. And there's part of me that really envies people who do. But you know,
0: this is yeah. my life. Yeah. Well, it's it's funny I think about it because I've also lived all over the place, you know. And um, I never I even though I called they uh, I they are sort of like my like I said, the place my heart lives, but you mm-hmm. know, it's, I, I could never point to one place and say, that is my home because I was never really born and raised somewhere and, and stayed there, you know? Yeah. So, um, I, I think it's interesting that, that just to think about how some people do have that, you know, and yeah. that's like all they know Yeah, and, and other people like us, you know, and, kind of is as fluid and it's sort of like just leaves an imprint in us just like mm-hmm. maybe relationships have and books mm-hmm. have and books and people you know I
1: think um yep. at this stage in life where my children are you know will also be home for me yeah. because they are home for me
0: that's beautiful mm. um so I would love to touch on speak about to kind of unpack two words specific words one is beauty because this comes to mind because it's sort of woven through everything that you do here um, at On Being, and um, and you had this conversation with the late John O'Donohue, mm-hmm. which is one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. And he gives this description, or he gave you this description of beauty that, whenever I revisit it, it brings me to tears. Yeah, you know, it's just so gorgeous, um, and it has nothing to do with the, anything on the surface or you know physical beauty. Um, And, and I was at, um, the poet David White's, um, workshop for a session, I would say about Mm -hmm. a month ago, and it was really focused on the theme of cultivating a beautiful mind. Mm -hmm. And I would love to hear about, you know, what beauty means to you, what that word means and, you know, what is a beautiful mind to you? Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, I love that question. Um, so I, I, so one thing that I I've, I think a lot about, I've, I've thought a lot about across the years, and it's, it's always important to me is um, how some of the words we need the most, the words that point at things that are most important to us, the words themselves get ruined and watered down and overused. And, um, you know, and I think beauty can be one of those words. So actually, when I had that conversation with John O'Donohue, I said to him, um, you know, if somebody, if you use the word beauty casually in a conversation, um, where somebody's mind might go, or my mind might go, is a, mm-hmm. the flawless face on the cover of a magazine. But that's not what you're talking about. And he said no. That he said that's glamour. Yes. And then he said beauty, and this is that definition that I also have taken as my own. Beauty is that, in the presence of which we feel more alive. Which is such a wonderful definition to walk around with and and another definition of beauty or a, a way of characterizing beauty that comes together with that for me actually came um, a long time ago from my Islamic conversation partners there's this notion of in Islam that beauty is a core moral value. Mm. Um, and I really the way beauty comes up across my conversations. You know the way mathematicians and physicists will talk about, um, you know, you know beauty. That that if an equation is not beautiful and elegant, it is probably not true. Yeah. Um. So I've really come to think of, and I, yeah, let me just say one more thing. I think that I come at this as somebody who grew up in a part of the world and a part of our country, where the natural world is pretty hostile, is full of things that can bite you and poison you. And the weathers you know, um, it gets really, really hot. Um, it's dry, it's flat. And um, it was a place where uh, beauty was not it would have been consider, considered kind of frivolous and beside the point, not something you were looking for or like stumbling across. Yeah. You know, I think one of the things about Daya for me is that you just walk around stumbling across oh, yes. extraordinary beauty. Yes, um, And so, so I think that I had thought of it as maybe something optional and I kind of discovered a love of the beauty of the natural world quite late in my, I mean, you know, late in my twenties, my um, so 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 what it, what's come clear to me through all these different conversations is thinking that beauty is you know beauty is not optional um it's not uh it's not it's not soft that it's really something that in leading a good life a worthy life a wise life even a moral life that that it is something to insist on to seek out to weave in you know to tend to
0: yes that's beautiful, thank you. Mm. Speaking of beauty, <laughs> it is a word I overuse, but just like yeah. you were saying, it's just it's. I don't know that it's such a charged word, you yeah. know? Yeah, and yeah. yeah. <clears throat> well, it's such an it's such a it's such a weighty
1: word. It carries so much. Yes, and then it can be used in such flimsy ways. Yes, it's right. Exactly. Just like love. I
0: mean, love is the same thing. Well, it's funny you say that Krista, because I was going to talk about love. Okay. Next. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, exactly. Uh-huh. Um, And the reason I want to talk about this word with you is because in your book, you have a whole chapter on the word love. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, reading those pages, and I reread them recently, it's just, it's the definition really as a whole of love in a way that I think I've, I have 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 not ever really read before or, Mm -hmm. or, you know, listened to. And, um... And I'd love to read something, just a little piece of something beautiful that you wrote. It's all beautiful. But you wrote, as you were talking about the end of a long-term relationship, you said, as I settled into, into singleness, I grew saner, kinder, more generous, more loving and untheatrical everyday ways. <laughs> I love that. I can't name the day when I suddenly realized that the lack of love in my life was not reality but a poverty of imagination and a carelessly narrow use of an essential word and I know you've been quoted uh, this has been quoted many times but I wanted to talk about it because I think particularly in American culture there's such an emphasis on the romantic love and which is a lot about what you're talking about and um and gosh when I think about my own life I mean I'm 37 and only had one serious relationship romantic relationship um we you know with some dating in between that yeah but um i don't when i think about love that's not the first thing that comes to mind right mm-hmm. and i think about some of the greatest loves of my life and also some of the greatest heartbreaks have been actually through platonic relationships mm-hmm. and different mm-hmm. sorts yeah. and um and yeah we focus so much on this romantic romantic love um and i don't know i was wondering if you could talk a little bit about you know, you wrote this book I guess a couple of years ago. How yeah. many years ago? Um I yeah, I mean I published it um
1: well, gosh, it was maybe five, five, six years ago now.
0: Yeah, that sounds right. But <laughs> I was writing it for a few years. Yeah. So 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 yeah, I just wanted to ask you sort of what mm-hmm. that word now means to you today, if it's still mm-hmm. the same and um and sort of what have been some of your greatest lessons in the realm of love.
1: Yeah, I I continue to kind of grow and deepen into that realization of, and that appreciation for the many forms of love, um, in our lives. I think that the, the love that, um, that I've really claimed and that's been so life giving us is, is, is friendship, yes. you know? And, um, you know, I think that there are, when you're, when you're young, when you're growing up, when you're a child, and then again, when you're kind of, well, when you're in it, when you're being educated, right? When you're in school, you have, you, you, you cultivate friendships and it's kind of, there's structure for it and it's built into what you're doing. Um, and then for me, and I think for many people, I think that that, 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 you know, forming new friendships or, or really, really deepening friendships in the middle of life kind of fell away, Um but I have just absolutely like picked that up and it's just become so wonderful at this stage in my life, both um, new friends um, and also really tending to friendships that have been there for a long time. Um, and, you know, and that is love. And I don't know, I, um, across these more recent years, have become so much more comfortable you know, saying I love you to all kinds of people, you know, to my friends uh, when we leave, which I never did. I never did earlier in my life. And I feel like that is something that is um, is happening all around me. Like I even see my son say that to his friends, yeah. which just, so that feels like something lovely that's happening in our culture, yes. that we're becoming more comfortable with owning that for each other. Definitely. I'm so I don't know how that, that's, you know, I don't know how it started or, yeah. or what it's about, but I do. There's something viral about it, maybe.
0: Yeah. I actually remember in college, one of my friends used to always say, I love you. And that was like my first, you know, platonic female friendship. That yeah. really, and ever since that, when I really do love a friend, I, I do say it now, yeah. you know, and it's, yeah. it, you're right. It has become more part of the culture. Yeah. And I, did you, I'm just curious, um, when you because for me when I go back to Spain and over the years um and I speak with my friends and family there it's never this question about like you know asking me if I'm in a relationship it's not really yeah. pres- it's just funny I think it's so, like I I, c- I can't speak for all cultures but I know that it feels like a very like American thing and this kind of like they I feel like it's like a problem that needs to be fixed here mm-hmm. you know like mm-hmm. what you're not dating anybody yeah well, why yeah <laughs> it's just... yeah yeah and
1: and even though. I really see the way this part of life plays itself out is really evolving. Yes. But the but the kind of cultural assumptions haven't evolved as quickly. That's right. And and the cultural assumptions, you know, they come from movies and yes. TV shows and love songs. And I love all that. I love, love, love. There you go. <laughs> I I you know, all of that is enjoyable, but I don't know. I'm just more and more so struck by how it's not actually representing yes. the way lives work. Exactly. But it's very seductive and it kind
0: of, it shapes us. And it, I think it distorts us. Definitely. And also I think this notion of like, you find this one person, it's like, they're just with you forever and that's the person. And that's just not, that's not natural almost in a way. It's know? not. It's also not <laughs> it's,
1: how it works anymore. It works, and we're yeah. leading such long lives. Exactly. People can be married for 50 years
0: and then have another 40. <laughs> Yeah, huh, so for so many <laughs> reasons, it's not the way it works. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for mm. discussing that. Um, back to the word love. I'd love to talk about cultivating qualities of character mm. because at the On Unbeing um, Project here, you have these amazing grounding virtues yeah. um, and the practice of, uh, sorry, the tagline is what we practice, we become, which I love. And if you don't mind, I'm just going to read the, the, the names of the virtues. Um, there's six of them. Words that matter, hospitality, as you mentioned before, Mm. humility, patience, generous listening, adventurous civility. And I'm wondering, in obviously put a lot of thought into this, um, and I'm wondering, sort of, has there been a quality of character that you've really had to, that maybe you didn't feel like you had, that you've practiced, and that you feel that you now inhabit? Um, Yeah, well, and that
1: is the way I um I work with uh, the with the notion of virtues and with the practicality of virtues and and I started thinking about that honestly or or my thinking moved forward years ago when I started interviewing um, neuroscientists who are, who are working with how like what we're learning about the brain and this fascinating information that was brand new not that long ago that that our brains keep changing in the course of our lives. And that in fact, we can change our biology through our behavior that, you know, just as if you want to be better at playing the piano, you practice, 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 that you can also create kind of muscle memory of character. And this was a real breakthrough for me because, um, I don't know, I think partly because of the way I grew up and kind of the, the survival mechanisms I had, and also, just I don't know, being a woman, um, being you know, c- creating something, having having to struggle. Um, I think I actually really shut down some of those softer characteristics in myself. They didn't serve me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but but I but I then I think I had told myself, and I think a lot of us go around telling ourselves, that, you know, <clears throat> you know, I'm not a. I mean, I, I guess I would have said I was a compassionate person, but I wouldn't have said I'm not a patient. I'm not patient, mm-hmm. you know. Um, um, I think, or, you know, humility is one that I've, I've had to work with. And I really, I now think of it as a quality of honoring others as opposed to making, not honoring yourself.
0: Yeah. i actually right. underlined that one because <laughs> yeah. you said it's not about making yourself small. It's about inviting others. To yeah, be like big. really wanting others to be yeah, big so and like beautiful. doing what you can. Um, but what I
1: realized, and I, actually, I started working on this years ago when I was in a difficult work situation um, in a big 20th century organization, and I and I was always fighting for my project. And you know, there's just a lot of politics and the kinds of things that go on in in in. in, in in organizations that get big, get too big, too fast. And, um, and I really felt like it was, it was having a bad effect on me because I didn't like yeah. the person I was becoming, yeah. but, I, but the, but the person I was becoming felt like was the most, was the adaptive thing to do. And so there was this moment where I, where I realized like, I'm going to, I'm going to be patient even if I don't feel like it. I'm going to, I'm going to act compassionate, Mm. even though I cannot find that in myself. You know, they don't deserve my compassion, but this is who I want to be. And, um, you know, that is that, you know, it's, it, it would, it would be, uh, you know, certainly too much to ask of any of us to say, uh, you know, you, to, to expect some kind of sudden, transformation of becoming a fully organically intuitively compassionate person that's a lot to ask but to say act like it so you become it um that's actually less hard than you think that then all that takes is a it's kind of some willpower to say i'm going to stop and take a breath before i react i'm going to say who do i want to be in this moment even if i don't feel like it Mm. so but but you know that's a very granular Example, but I think it's also a larger truth that's very liberating, mm-hmm. and that really has agency in it. That we can decide—you know—you don't have to feel like you were born um, the most virtuous person, but you can choose some qualities of character, and you can you can act as if you can practice yes. them, and it, they will start to feel more
0: instinctive. And you've called it, I think, spiritual muscle spiritual memory. T- yeah, spiritual <laughs> muscle memory. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, that's. I think that's a very comforting notion. Yeah, really, right, what you're saying, just to think about that and something's really important to you.
1: And so also that we that that we have a lot of spirit. We have a lot of muscle memory, like we have been trained. Um I don't think for example in this culture that we have much muscle memory around what it really is to listen. Yes. You know, we're we're just not we don't we don't exercise that. We are taught to be good advocates, we're taught to argue our case. We're taught to debate. we're taught to be articulate in expressing our opinions or, you know, representing our identities. And all of those things, you know, that's a toolkit for moving through the world. but but there's this other aspect of the toolkit, which is which is listening, which is actually not just, just being quiet until it's your turn to talk, which is what I learned about listening yes. growing up. It is about really, really being present, and I think actually really wanting somebody to surprise you in yes. positive ways. Right. Um, and so, but that does not feel instinctive in this culture at all. So yeah. to, to choose to do that, it is going to feel awkward. It's going to feel unnatural at first.
0: Yeah, and I love the term generous listening. Yeah, that's just yeah, it's great. <clears throat> um. So I'd I'd also really like to talk to you about—I was actually, you know, re-listening last night to your episode of The Soul and Depression, which I think is so important because Mm -hmm. we're finally, I think, in this culture starting to talk about it more. It's really important, and so many, so many of us have struggled with that. Um, Yeah. And, and, yeah, we start to feel less alone when it becomes more normalized. Yeah. So I'd love to talk about turning struggle into beauty— and I think your words were in the book that I read where it was going from wound to gift. Mm. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, you've said that the course, when you've talked about your own depression, which I personally really appreciate you being open about that. Um, you've said that the course of my life was changed for the better. And that it's walking through the things that we don't know how will survive that deepen us. And, you know, I think intellectually, we know this, that in order to get to the other side and to get to that deep place, you know, you do have to walk through that and, and stand in the middle of pain. But it's so hard when you're in it. Yeah. And I wondered if you would be willing to share a bit about sort of what you've pulled on to get yourself to the other side. Um, Yeah. And I think that what is so excruciating
1: about depression is that... It's not just that you can't figure out how you're gonna to get to the other side. You can no longer imagine that there is another side. Right. right? Um, and so and I'm I'm really careful to to say that with with depression or with or with many of you know, the, the terrible worst things that happened to us, it it can take years and years before it's it's reasonable to look back for yourself and, or, or reasonable to expect anybody else to look back and say, oh, that was good for me, you know? So having said that, (laughs) you know, I think, um, um, and when you're, when in depression, uh, you know what, there's, there's very little that is helpful, but I think, um, I, I know that I started wanting to read books about People who'd gotten through it, just so there's this, this, this affirmation that it is something to get through it. Yes. That, that 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 the other side, stop. that even though you can't imagine it, and you're not sure you believe in it, but you find other people will testify to it. Um, I I do, but it it definitely is. It it is a truth that has come through. I think every single conversation I've had with people who who I would say are wise, who who we who who people around them experience as wise, and I you know wisdom is is a quality that is that is um, that is manifested in the lives around it, right? Like yes. that's the litmus test, and um, you know every single person is. Goes through terrible, painful experiences, losses, transformations, um, dangers, and um, and and when people come through to the other side, and everybody doesn't, um, if they walk with it and then integrate it into their sense of wholeness. Um, it is something they're grateful for, not something they would ever wish on themselves, even if they could go back, but something that has made them larger and deeper yes. and more present, more attentive to the struggles of others.
0: Absolutely. It's
1: it's a paradox, right? It's yeah. why does it have to be this way? I don't know. Definitely. Couldn't we just get
0: all that depth without, <laughs> exactly, without going that all that. <laughs> Yeah, it's. Um, I also pulled in mind Elizabeth Kubler Ross's mm-hmm. you know words about beautiful people do not just happen. You know, yeah, and, and yeah. hold that's true, and you think about sort of the deepest people that you know, and the I think the most compassionate. Just like you're saying, it's those people. Are, I think it's funny when people you know it's said a lot. Like, oh, that person's such a happy person. And, like, I have been told that about myself often. Like, you're so happy. Do you ever get sad? And I was like, of course I do, you know? And I think that I'm actually able to experience my happiness to such a high level because I've also experienced the pain at a deep level. yeah You know, and I just – I think it's dangerous to to kind of categorize people as they're a happy person or a depressive person or, you know, or –
1: And we just don't – we really don't know – Happy people feel inside themselves. We don't, you know, just as we don't know what goes on inside relationships, we don't, we don't, we don't know um, what's behind what we see in public.
0: Definitely. And I think that's that reminder is more important now than ever, especially with social media, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm and everybody's lives look so happy. And (laughs) yeah, and you can,
1: you can even cement the facade.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, kind of along these lines, I want to talk about. The fact that at, on being, I think what, one of the things that makes it so extraordinary is that you really shine a light and give a microphone to these quiet voices, these quiet, mm-hmm. powerful voices. And um, I think about my my own life, you know, that people that have had the greatest impact on me and to the lives around them don't have hundreds of thousands of Instagram followers, you know, and yeah. they are quiet. And, yeah. um, and back to the wisdom, what you were speaking on, and- I I wondered if if you might be able to talk about maybe one or two people in your own life who have been those quiet voices that maybe you haven't had on the program that have had a big impact on you. Oh,
1: yeah, so many people. Um it's such a good question. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I we're really committed to You know, there's a there's there's the radar and it's what's above the radar culturally. I mean, it's different than it used to be. you know, there's you know, there used to be three TV channels right. I mean like there's a lot there are a lot, many a lot more platforms and megaphones, but but it's still really noisy. It's loud up there. And um yet, you know, every community, every every discipline, you know every 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 field has its teachers and its role models and its kind of giants who, who never get known in the world beyond that field or that discipline or that community, but who, who change things, um, who, who, who really, you know, who, who write the story. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I'm, I'm really committed to kind of, you know, giving those people a voice. Like they're just, some of them are very eminent also in their field, Mm -hmm. but completely, you know, but, um, and yeah and then as you're saying then there's this other layer of just the people all and all of us i think can think of those people and then and then and then there's just this layer really close to home um where people are just getting on with their lives but they're doing so or they're they're caring for others or they're modeling something or they're or they're such amazing friends or neighbors that yeah. that they're really touching touching other lives and I think of, I mean, the people who come to mind for me, I've, I've always, um, had older friends, like me much too. older. Yeah. So I, and so I, one of my, one of my best friends here who was in her seventies when I moved here is now in her nineties. Mm. And, um, uh, you know, that's been, that's been such an amazing experience kind of, cause I, you know, this, that, that's a new experience in my life to move with somebody, to be close to somebody moving, um, through that span of life. Um, And she's just such a remarkable person. Um, She started painting in her 40s, and I have a lot of her art around. And so, like, she kind of touches and adds joy to my life and to a lot of people's lives all the time in this very ordinary way. You know, she's now living in a, a retirement community and i and i just see how she's you know she's she's doing she's organizing things and she she's she's doing these really practical she, she she exercises really practical care for the people for all kinds of people around her um she's just such a force and none of that that kind of life doesn't register um in any kind of pr way but yeah. it it is the glue that holds Communities together.
0: I was recently listening to the episode that I think you re-aired about trauma in the body, lodging oh, yeah. in the body. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, <laughs> no, I was gonna say it wrong. And you, okay. you live in, in Germany, you know how to say it. <laughs> yeah. Um I I'm so fascinated and just by by this whole thing, and started reading his book, Body Keeps the Score. Yeah. And you know, um, I've, things i've been talking about through therapy for years but yeah really he really puts a light on it in a way that just has illuminated this thing for me that just been thinking about it a lot and well i'd love to just talk about that in any capacity you want to talk about it but um then just body memory you know but um it just seems like this frenetic you know pace of technology that we have now and, um, just sort of short attention spans, I feel like Mm -hmm. it's even more in danger of not being able to really tune in to, you know, our bodies and, and all that. And, um, yeah, I don't really have a question formulated around this. I just want to talk about it. (laughs) I'm so fascinated by it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I'm fascinated by it too. I, it's, I think it's a real step forward. Well, to get out of our heads, um, we're so, in ways that we don't even stop to think about, we, so much of what we do and how we conduct and analyze and engage um, important questions and engage each other is really from the chin up. Mm. And, you know, it's all about opinions and arguments and ideas and abstractions. Um, And then, but each of us and all of the Big questions before us as a society, like the challenges that we turn to issues, you know, when we turn something into issue, it becomes Jenna. But it's these all of these challenges are so complex and they're so embodied. They're so messy and we're messy. We just are. Yeah. Um, I think we kind of tried to organize the world in the 20th century to black bracket our messiness out. And it doesn't it it doesn't work. Right. It's created this whole new level of dysfunction. So so now we're kind of putting ourselves back together again. Mm And and this kind of science is helping us put ourselves back together, put our bodies back in the picture, and understand which actually we've I think we've all experienced in some way. Understand that you know everything doesn't have a talk solution, right? right. And that and that that the things that have wounded us, that, that the, the the burdens that we carry through the world. Um, it's an it we inhabit it physically as much as it's something that we could formulate and then tie up yeah. and move beyond and um you know i think i started thinking about the kinds of things that Bessel van der Kolk is talking about when i was speaking with um John Paul Litterack, who works in the field of peace building and conflict mediation and you know he said and he's been in places where terrible you know where wars have happened where there's there's been terrible violence and Sometimes talking about what's happened is the worst thing to do, and yeah. so we have to find like he's learned that we have to find all you know that music helps and that poetry can help and and that just human touch can help. And to me, to me, I, it's it's as though in modernity and with the Enlightenment and as we got smarter um, and we did get smarter, but we we kind of then we got so interested in the mechanics of things and we 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 de- we separated everything into parts and now we're kind of putting those parts back together and trying to make the whole and you can't see that that's not what you what you see in our in our life writ large, in that noisy place, is is the world of the parts clashing against each other. But I think that below the radar, where so many of us live, and you know, again, in discipline after discipline, you know, yeah. in medicine, um, in the field of trauma, I mean, you know, in prisons, in education, um, there are lots of people laboring to kind of kind of re reweave the
0: whole. Yeah, yeah. So I just am so fascinated. Just by the idea that um, there's things that our body can remember that our that uh, our mind doesn't. Yeah, and
1: but when somebody says that, you think, oh, yeah, like you start to yep. you start to understand that you've always known that, but nobody had put words around yes, it.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Well, thank you for, for again putting the light to this. Um, so uh, you just radiate kindness, and um, I this is kind of this is a big question, but I would love <laughs> to ask you um, if you can recall just share. Like one of the most impactful acts of kindness that has been done to you. Well, you know, first of all, I have to say that uh, I
1: I I don't think I would ever that no, I would never like start to introduce myself as a kind person. Really? <laughs> no, what? no. I think, um, and I think that's one of those things where I say, you know, I had to go through the world kind of all elbows for a long time. I think maybe I am a kind person. You definitely um, are, right? From like, my in
0: point of view, ge- like
1: organically. But that was definitely um, not something that it served me to practice um so I, that's a great compliment so thank you so you know I, t- I mentioned to you that i did this um story for a, a podcast called meditative story yeah. about the time i spent in Dea, where you come from and um you know that was actually doing that story i think the, i think the thing about those acts of kindness that all of us have had is they're so ordinary yes and they're so they're so they're so small in themselves and so huge in the effect they have on us but i it probably would be a good practice for each of us every once in a while to sit down and write that list because yes. it was only when i was asked to tell a story about when things changed for me that i you know and tell it as a story that i it's not that i'd forgotten this person but but there was this this completely unexpected older man who's i was renting a room in his house who I thought I was going to this place from my impressive busy life I'd been leading to do, to write a novel, another impressive thing. And in fact, I really needed, I was, I was ready to fall apart. And Mm. I was very confused about my impressive busy life. And I didn't, so I didn't, I didn't even know I was going someplace under, not understanding what was happening inside myself or inside my life. And this a man who, you know, didn't know me, just kind of welcomed me into his home. I think, like, saw how exhausted I was, even when I didn't see it, yeah. and just started, you know, he baked bread, he made meals, he made me cups of tea. He 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 was at, you know, I was renting a room in his house. He was under no obligation to spend time with me, but he kind of nursed me back to health and mm-hmm. um without there ever being a moment where that was even articulated, right? Yeah. It was just um and it would be it would be years later that I would look back and see how much how what a huge turn I had taken. Wow. Um, I never, you know, it would be years. He would he was no longer with us by the time I understood the role he had in my life. Um, so, I I but I you know what I think just because I was asked to tell that story recently, I think there are probably so many people yeah. like that. If I sat down to really. Trace it.
0: So he gave you the space to just be yourself and become undone. You are saying, right? Mm-hmm. Like it just, I mean, that's such a huge gift.
1: And he, and he, he was a stranger, but he, he was a caring person, you know. And he saw that I was, that I needed care, and he just extended that in a very subtle, you know, yeah. a very practical, unobtrusive way. But it just kind of—he just kind of saved me. I can't like—I you know, feel like that story could—I don't know where else I might have landed in a hard, uncaring place, and I don't know how that story would have ended. Mm. Wow,
0: that's incredible! And yeah, yeah. thank you for sharing yeah. that. Um, okay, yes, I wanted to ask you. <laughs> this was like—I knew there was something else. Forgetting, so you—you you have to do so much deep thinking for your work, and. Um I think I I remember reading in your book that you said that you talking about things that you do for play and that you uh would love to live in a world without murder but not without murder <laughs> mysteries <laughs> yeah. which I think yeah. is such a good line. <laughs> <laughs> um and you've talked about you enjoy TV. Could you talk a little bit about just sort of what are some of the things that you can get lost in that nurture you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I have always loved reading, and I still love reading. I just do. And uh, you know, you were mentioning a minute ago the, the the way technology works on us. And I'll say something I started to re- oh to become aware of in the last year or two was that I didn't have the same kind of attention span, or that it was harder for me to get into a new book. Mm-hmm. And I found that so alarming, and so I've really I really worked on that. Um, because I because this has always been a great pleasure for me um but yeah as, as as you said i I do so much serious reading for work, and since I started doing this work, like the kinds of I read for work some of the kinds of things I would have read for pleasure yes. before, and now I just really have to have escape um i yeah i do love I love good television right now, I'm watching this very dark Icelandic uh, <laughs> murder mystery series um I like spending time. I like cooking. I like yeah. spending time with yeah. friends. I actually love, um, I think something that's been new for me in recent years is, is getting it is getting into my body. You know, mm-hmm. I, I started doing yoga really seriously a few years ago. Um, I've just been recently getting into saunas again. Um, and that, I, for me as somebody who was so, I mean, that, that, chin up living is I, I, I speak about that as somebody who was really good at it and it still is kind of a default place for me. So there's something just been so healing, um, for me about, about demoting my, my mental space Mm -hmm. and, and just, and being physical and, um, and finding the pleasure in that and finding the healing in that.
0: I really learned that through when I had, some anxiety attacks i had had a concussion years ago and mm. through that i started having these panic attacks and something that i thought i knew what that was but until i had it i was like oh that's not what a panic attack is you know and the only thing that would help me is to get back into my body right. so even just like putting ice cubes on my hands right you know so right. it's so grounding and important like yeah. when you're in your head spiraling for me it's taking walks and you know yeah that's or doing yoga <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah thanks for sharing that. So I just have like one more kind of question. And then I would love to ask you some, I call them favorites, but okay, you know, know, the the kind of rapid fire types questions. Um, so you have been such a teacher and mentor in a way to me, Mm -hmm. and I would love to know who in your life has, has been one of those people to you.
1: (laughs) I mentioned my friend now who's in her nineties now. I, I've seen her as someone, who I I would say, um, having said a little while ago that you know that, that we're not captive to are you a kind person, a forgiving person, a compassionate that you can practice all those things, but I would say that Nell really is this constitutionally joyful person in a way that I, um, that I that I didn't see myself, um, but 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 she but like many many joyful people, many wise joyful people, you know. She's had a hard life. I mean, the things she went through um, in her life, especially in her earlier life and in her and her years before I knew her, 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 her kind of middle age, um, you don't—I I sort of understanding that you don't get to be that way um, because of the— because of the life that is handed you or, you know, and or in spite of the things that have gone wrong, that it is in actually like walking with and through yes. what happens to you as gracefully as possible, um, uh, honoring the reality of these things and, and, and walking with it and through it. Um, I think for me, that has been really formative, both in how I've lived my personal life, my life as a, you know, in my family and also at work.
0: Mm, I love that yeah I think that's I, I think I've been thinking about this for so long what we were talking about earlier just about you know having t- had to really walk through mud to be able to get to yeah. that place of just yeah. beauty and compassion and and I think what comes with that too sometimes is just like you said joyful living and a humor think about my dad when he he's like always positive like Mm -hmm. not in a superficial way you know and just a way that I aspire to because like when he was having brain surgery and I think it was a year or two ago the night before I was I was a wreck and he was making jokes about how he's going to ask them to put a chip in to boost his IQ (laughs) you know I just I just I aspire to that to be you know and yeah that's I think that's such a sign of of a Kind of a wise person, you yeah. Know? Is he in Dea? No, he's in Boston now. Oh, okay, yeah. So it's, my mother is a Spanish French, and okay. then my dad is born in in um, Colombia okay. in Bogota, and okay. was born and raised there. And yeah. actually, his parents were journalists for Time oh. Magazine. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll tell yeah. you the whole story. Sometime. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. But yeah, yeah, he's in Boston now. Okay. Um. So so yeah, so I, like I mentioned, I like I love to do this sort of thing at the end where. I need to find a different way to to, to say this. I hate saying your favorite thing, but things that are meaningful to you. Okay. Uh, so I'll just, like, name the thing. And okay. You can tell me what comes okay. to mind. <laughs> okay. Because, you know, it'll jinx me if you say favorite. <laughs> yes, not favorite. <laughs> meaningful. Right. Um,
1: so how about a book? Oh, um, I I probably – I have so many books, but probably Rilke's um, – well, there's a translation of the Book of Hours, Love Poems to God, that I just, by Joanna Macy and Anita Barrows, that I come back to again and again.
0: And Speaking of Vilka, you, your next book is, if I'm not mistaken, called me Cold, Letters to a Young Citizen. Yeah, well,
1: that's the working title. I don't. Okay. I shouldn't say that on be, the record. No, but no. But that is. That's kind of was the was the starting point. But I. I yeah, it's evolving. Oh, I love it.
0: Like that. me. <laughs> uh, how about a favorite? Excuse me. Backtrack. Meaningful. <laughs> yeah. Album or song.
1: Oh gosh, that's hard. I have such eclectic musical taste. I loved an album that Joe Henry did recently this year Mm. called the gospel according to water and you know it's it's in sync with what we've been talking about I mean he um he he faced his death he he had had a diagnosis of stage four cancer and uh he produced this exquisitely beautiful collection of music out of that yeah
0: yeah that was a beautiful episode too yeah thank you Yeah. yeah Um, what bookstore you really love
1: anywhere in the world? Oh well, I'll just there's a there's one here in Saint Paul called Common. As it, well, it was it was Common Good Books, but now it's called the Next Chapter, and it's a really Ooh. it's where I go to dig around. And you know, it's interesting how you know, even with a big with Barnes and Nobles, even with big stores, there's a curation that happens, yeah. right? And there and there are bookstores I can go into. um and i know i will find something.
0: Yes. Have you been to Elliott Bay in Seattle? Yeah, i have. I love That's that a great one. Book. That's one yeah, of my it's a favorite bookstores. Yeah. Um, well, so much of what you do here is is based around poetry, mm. you know, which i love and you're going to now have a poetry podcast with yes, Padre Gotima. Yes. Yes. By the way, he when i interviewed him, he i asked him what he's most excited about right now mm-hmm. and he told me that he's gonna have this podcast with you all. <laughs> oh, and good. I and it wasn't announced yet. So uh-huh. I I think I like screamed almost. I like, <laughs> <That's good. laughs> and I had it, I yeah. had to edit it out because we Wait, were launching yeah. the episode before it was announced. But I'm yeah. so excited about good. that. Um <laughs> so along those lines, what's a, a poem that really has meaning to you?
1: I am just reading um a book of poetry by Christian Wyman, who I also had on the show a few years ago. It's, it's a book that hasn't been released yet. I think it comes out in February or March. And it's called, I think it's called Survival is a Style. It's, it's so fantastic. But the first poem in the book is about, it's about faith and it's about, it's about loss of faith and yet the survival of faith. Even if only as a longing at Mm. the same time. Mm. It's just this little poem that does that.
0: Wow. Yeah. It reminds me of something in a book, and I'm not gonna say the line right, but you were talking about that you had this longing, but you didn't know, right? What did you say? (laughs) You had a longing that you didn't know how to where what it was yet, but you had this longing inside of you. I don't don't know. Okay, sorry. (laughs) I should have had it here. But it was so it was so Mm. beautiful when I read it. I remember that. Um well, we've sort of talked about celebrity, but do you have what's one place that you can think of that's meaningful to you?
1: Oh, you know, Scotland is an important place to me. Um, it's a and I it's a place where I think I have ancestral ties. You know, it's a. It, 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 I didn't mention it when we talked about a home earlier, but it a Scotland and Ireland. You know, I, I go to these places and I feel like I kind of recognize myself. Um, but I've never never. I, well, I've spent I spent quite a lot of time in Scotland a long time ago. I mean, I've never lived in Scotland or Ireland, so I don't I don't feel like I can claim them, but um Scotland is a place that I went when I was living in Berlin and I was you know, again in this very powerful kind of harried existence and I just landed there and it just took my breath away mm. in the best possible way. It just quieted me down and stunned me. And um uh three years ago I got to a place of huge exhaustion here. And so I um decided and my colleagues were so generous in giving me the space to take a sabbatical. Mm. And I spent a month of that in Scot I went to Scotland. Mm-hmm. And I went to part of Scotland I'd never been to on the far north coast and on the North Sea. And it 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 it, it worked that same it had the same effect again that it just mm-hmm. um, just stilled me and and you kinda know, brought me I, I got rested there and I and I I just I felt like it had a very healing effect on me.
0: So it's definitely one of your secret homes then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. It is. <laughs> oh, that's so beautiful. Um okay, so lastly, how about a memory? oh. It's a big one
1: yeah. <laughs> to end on. Um, I would uh, Uh, I would probably, um, go to, um, memories of, you know, my children. Um, I, I mean, I'll just, so I just, uh, two weeks ago, um, took the first kind of week long vacation with both of my children as adults. Oh, wow. And, um, it was like a whole it was like i realized we've opened a whole new chapter and um and i can also just see the role reversal is already starting like they they're the adults and i'm the i'm the i'm the kind of <laughs> sweet amusing <laughs> funny one um and so i think that that is a will be a memory that i'll um yeah to have like known these two people since they were born and then to, you know, suddenly realize I'm walking on a really different path with them mm. now. I so, in the evolving. Yeah. It's a new memory, yes. but I think it will it will always be a milestone.
0: lovely. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Krista. Oh, thank you, Monty. You're so special. Oh, you too. <laughs> thank you. Okay. Oh, oh, that was really fun. Of the artist is audio produced by Aaron Maury, and the theme music is by Ilan Isakoff.